What's up, sports fans? My name is Lucas Weiss, host of the Weiss Sports Chronicles podcast. We got a great guest for you today. Next up is Stephanie Odie. She's a sideline reporter covering the Ohio State Buckeyes in college football. In this episode, I chat with Stephanie about Ohio State's great season, the challenges of overcoming from not playing Big Ten football to advocating to play to now getting to the national championship game, even with all the distractions related to living in a global pandemic. I also chat with Stephanie about her approach to being a sideline reporter for the Buckeyes, her responsibilities in covering the national championship on Monday night in South Florida, and how her career and and her various stops along the way have prepared her to cover this historic moment for the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Wii Sports Chronicles podcast is available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now let's get to today's episode with Stephanie Odie on the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast. All right, as I said off the top, I am pleased to be joined by Stephanie Odie. She covers Ohio State football on ABC6, Fox 28, and Fox Sports Ohio. She is uh, truly talented. You can see a lot of her work on various different outlets in the United States. And she joins me on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Stephanie, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, especially getting some Canadian fans out there. That's always exciting to hear. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I know we're known for hockey, as we said off air, but I mean, trying to get that uh, love and passion for, for NCAA football. So that's... Uh, it's great, but listen, really excited to, to have you on, and, and as we're recording this, it's a couple days, a couple more sleeps before the national championship game taking place in South Florida, Ohio State, Alabama. Steph, before we maybe get into like the matchup, what's this year been like for you, covering Ohio State with just a lot of challenges, and that's been what Ohio State's been talking about a lot in their media availabilities this week, is just one more challenge in, in trying to get the job done in winning a championship. Yeah, it's been a very different year. I, the season started, you know, with the families of the football players and the staff protesting to even have a season. So right in March when it hit the U.S. pretty hard and they canceled March Madness and we went through the summer wondering, okay, what's the update? And I know that the players were, you know, sticking to their discipline. A lot of them had to come up without um, do their Zoom calls virtually and get their plans in. But it was very different getting into the season, just trying to have one. I mean, I know Justin Fields made a petition and worked with a lot of players from other schools even. So there was a lot that went into just having the season. So hitting the field was a big win for them and making it this far after canceled games, being doubted about what whether or not they deserve to be in their conference championship mm-hmm. because they didn't have the criteria and then their role was changed so it's been difficult for the players and i know that it's been a sacrifice that they've continuously made and even the coaching staff even when they're in the building they would plan out okay what are people passing each other in the hallways just to restrict these positive tests because especially in the big 10 conference it affected them severely because of that 21 day protocol they were out a lot longer than other conferences so there was a lot going into it especially for this program and this conference. And 
as a media member, you know, we were restricted as well. So my job looked a lot different. I didn't get to interview the players one-on-one in person. That was, you know, one of my big segments or being on the field before the game. And they, they changed what, what you're able to, where you're able to be on game day as well. So it's been different, especially when you make it this far to a bowl game or the national championship, you have a week long leading up to it. Lots of media availability. The players just have a lot of fun and, really get to hang out and they haven't been able to do that. They don't fly out until today. So it's been very different, but it's definitely rewarding because it's such an unprecedented time and it's historical to, to cover. So I do feel privileged in that I get the opportunity. No doubt. And and certainly when you, when you look at Ohio state, the last few weeks, I mean, there was that whole week leading up to their rematch with Clemson. Did they belong or not? Davo Sweeney's coaches poll ranking them outside the top 10. And then you get this epic performance from from Justin Fields and, and where he ties a Sugar Bowl record and touchdowns thrown. And you really just see that even though they played six games, this Buckeyes team is for real and, and, and that they do belong in the national championship. But I think what's, what's interesting though, Stephanie, is again, like they've been preparing for that game against Clemson. Now that they did that, it was clearly an emotional win. From your conversations what are they feeling like, like this week? Because they're going to have to do it again in obviously an even more important game, a chance to win a national championship. You know, that's funny. I asked Chris Olave that right when they got back to Columbus after the Sugar Bowl. And I said, you got to be on cloud nine because the way he left that game last year was, you know, th- th- very crushing to him. And I specifically remember him in the locker room at that Fiesta Bowl game where they lost to Clemson. He felt like it was completely on him because he, you know, he ran the wrong route and was intercepted and, and they didn't win the game. And so they had this whole year leading up to, okay, we want to beat Clemson. They had the score written in their facility. They saw it every day. And, you know, th- this whole season they were, they were saying, Hey, are, are they good enough? There were questionable games. And realistically, they just didn't get those live game reps. But when I talked to Chris Olave and said, Hey, you know, you must be on cloud nine. He says, no quite the opposite and I was like what and he goes I'm sore that was the first thing he thought of he didn't say oh I'm so happy we won and it was just like that was a brutal game and I'm feeling it today but definitely you know that was a big win for them and they're phenomenal as an underdog but getting past that and preparing for the national championship it does feel like they have to recalibrate a little bit and I was wondering the same thing can they replicate that same mindset but I think that they can especially given how far they've come I mean I think they hit a little bit of an emotional roadblock when they got into that uh, Big Ten championship game. They they had a rivalry game against Michigan canceled, and for we refer to them as the team up north. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they that, that rivalry is just so significant to the team and the fan base, and it, it, they lost it. And so then they were being questioned about whether they could even be considered for the Big Ten championship, and then they went out and didn't perform too well in that game. And then they got a shot at Clemson. And so there was a lot of talk wondering, okay, is Justin Fields really the second overall draft pick? Is this team actually legit? You know, can they beat Clemson? And so there was all these questions, and that was just riling them up. And, you know, they they came in and and did that. Now they're saying the same thing. There's so many unique matchups against Alabama. I mean, you have the two quarterbacks. Justin Mm -hmm. Fields was a Heisman uh, finalist last year. Mac Jones is this year. Then you got the wide receivers, one winning the Heisman himself at, up against our prominent wide receiver, Sean Waits, and I can't wait to go up against the Heisman final. So there's a lot of unique battles, especially at the offensive line, and 
Alabama gets the award and Ohio State feels that, you know, they're the top offensive line. So there's so many unique battles that will be interesting. And I think that element from a team perspective being doubted, but also at an individual position group as well, they can say, okay, well, we're the better guys because it is pretty close. Yeah, like I think the matchup that I'm really interested in is just like how the Ohio State secondary deals with the Alabama receivers because this is a this is an Alabama offense that ranks second in the country in points per game. They, as you said, a Heisman Trophy winner in Devontae Smith. Jalen Waddell maybe might be back for the championship game. And then you got Canadian John Mechie third from Alabama as, as another third option to, to throw in the mix as well. So... Just can you maybe elaborate on just like what this Ohio State secondary is feeling like and, and what they think they have to do in order to slow down this this Alabama offense because it's it's going to be challenging. Yeah, you know, going into this season, they lost a lot of talent you know, mm -hmm. back there. There was two cornerbacks in the first round and you lose your safety who's been solid for years. So they felt like, okay, this is our shot. And there were multiple opportunities that kind of fell up short, but they had the utmost belief in themselves that they can do it. And Sean Wade's really excited to go against Devontae Smith and, and have that battle. And they, this is their platform. This is their chance to really be on a big stage and, and show everyone, you know, for some of them, it may be their last game. It, it is their last game. So this is their shot. And we've been waiting for it and while you know the whole team had a solid performance in at the sugar bowl against clemson this is the shot this is where it all comes down to and so i think just covering this team in years past i know what sean wade is capable of i know he'll have a great game it's just you got to perform and and this is the toughest competitor in in the country to go up against and so it'll be a big test but i think they embrace that you know the last time they Ohio State went up against Alabama as an underdog in the playoffs. It, it turned out pretty well, and even mm -hmm. dipping down into the depth chart. So I think that secondary is something I've been a little hesitant mm -hmm. on making a determination on throughout the season. But, but when it comes to the national championship, I got to think this is it. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly now or never, right? I mean, you, you really got to raise your level of play in order to slow down a really high-level offense. And it's funny because, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, I mean, you've covered Ohio State for, for many years previous to this. I'm just curious how that helps you in a week like this leading up to the game, game day, where, it, it, again, it's so different and, and unique just in terms of how the media are covering this game. You're going to be there, but I imagine for someone TV, it's going to be very different. So maybe just elaborate on the differences but then how you covering this team for so long will help you in your coverage yeah you know i grew up in columbus so i've been close to the program uh and i've had friends that won the national championship five years ago so yeah i mean it, it definitely helps being able to to grow up in the culture of it because it you know football is a very unique especially in Columbus mm -hmm. and, you know we do have a professional hockey team here but <laughs> Ohio State gets all all of the attention I mean yeah it's, it's living down even with our professional teams in Ohio it is Ohio State and that's the football team that everyone focuses on and and so it is a lot for these guys and I know that they have a lot of eyeballs on them but being able to be close to the program for this many years helps but when it became virtual it does help the people who have been close to the program for years and, and being able to to have those conversations because they're they're virtual and Something that really benefited from being at practices is one, you get to watch the guys, see how they're doing, 
then you can go and see like the little interactions between the coaches and the players and, and really get a better feel to it and build the relationship with these guys that you'll be covering for all these years. So we didn't have that. And, and so it's been a challenge, but I think in a year like this, it's just, you know, looking out for them and not just really reaching out when, Hey, I just, you know, I, I need you to confirm something or can you, can you comment on this? It's, it's like, Hey, how are you doing? Because it's, it's a lot. And so I've been able to get close to the families of some of these players as well, because they've been so involved from a distance, they weren't able to come to some of these games. And so it's been hard from a family perspective. And I think that's where the coaching staff and, and everyone involved in the program really shine because Ryan Day and position coaches, they just build such strong bonds with these players. And I see that through the alumni who are still involved in that I still keep in touch with. It's, it's something that lives on forever. And I know that a lot of the guys were watching that game against Alabama. You know, LeBron Wade even has times he narrated the trailer that Ohio State put out today. So there's a lot of people that look out for these guys. And so I feel like that they really can lean on each other, especially during a year like this. And, you know, I always said Justin Fields is such a matter of fact guy. But I felt like I really could see the a little bit of the emotion where it got to him to a point. And so that's where it, it got tough. And you could see it. These guys are so tough. I mean, we see them go through so much, but it's hard to accept how, how much they've been through. So I think that this is why they're going to put it all on the line. You know, that last game was for Clemson to redeem yourself. But this is because the national champs is going to be everything that they went through because they, they fought for this season. And so – they, they knew they could go to the national championship, and now, now they have their shot. Yeah, and that's a great answer. And I think it just shows you how, you know, remem remembering that these players are human beings, right? And, and sometimes we think that, you know, they, they make these great plays and they're just, you know, out of these out of this world athletes, but they are human beings. And I think it, someone asked this week during one of the media availabilities about how, Ohio State's been really at the forefront of, you know, prioritizing mental health of their athletes, given the challenges. So how important has Ryan Day and the coaches been in sort of leading that charge and making sure that, okay, like these players are protected and that they're there for them when it comes to the mental health? Because as you said, it's been a grind this year from not knowing if you're going to play and then a season starting living through a global pandemic. It's certainly been a lot. You know, mental health is something that Ryan Day is very passionate about even before the pandemic. So he was the perfect head coach to be in this position for this team. And he's been an advocate for it. And, you know, he does a lot of charity work for mental health all before the pandemic. So I think when the pandemic came, he was very well equipped to help these guys out. And so he checks in with them and he reaches out to their families and, you know, he, he does everything that he can. And I know that it happens in individual position groups as well. I mean, the relationships that these guys have is so unique. I had a call with Harry Douglas, uh, you know, just yesterday. He, he was telling me, oh, you know, I know Tony Alford and, and Tony Alford is running back coach for Ohio State. And I know so many guys who JK Dobbins came back to visit him this summer, even after he, he moved on to the NFL. I know Zeke, keeps in touch with him. So there's so many prominent players that helped to get developed by position coaches, even Larry Johnson and the talent he developed. There's so much strong bonds that they have and being led by Ryan Day is something significant too. I mean, he took an extra step when it came to this pandemic. He was so dedicated to this team and he, he made the decision to stay at a hotel throughout the season just to avoid infecting his family or getting positive tests. I mean, the extra steps that this program took was so significant. And I know that it's something that Ryan Day is very passionate about. And 
you know, he's a player's coach. That's something that Kerry Combs said earlier this weekend. And caring about your players really shined, I think, at Clemson as well. And, you know, I think it's going to help when it comes to recruiting and things like that, too, and building this program for the long term. It's because he cares so much for them. And, and he really does, you know, do a lot for them outside of just football. So it, it helps them on the field as well. Yeah, and I think for for someone like Ryan Day, like this is just his second season as head coach, and he's playing for a national championship, which is truly amazing. And I think you know when you think of Ohio State, Urban Meyer was the head coach for so many years, then he leaves. It's like who's going to be that next guy? And Ryan Day was he wasn't a big name like a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney, but he then it has has really ascended, and and I think it's clear in the media availabilities that, that, that the players really respond to him. I know certainly Justin Fields had a lot of praise to say after the Sugar Bowl. So having that coach, as you say, to navigate through these difficult times is so critical. And then when it comes to playing football, he's clearly a really you know innovative play caller as well for this offense that, that, that I think can go toe-to-toe against Alabama. Yeah, that's the other unique part to this game as well. Nick Saban is a defensive mind, and yeah. Ryan Day is an offensive mind. And I think that is going to be very cool to watch. But I think it comes down to, for this game especially, I think it comes down to both of these offenses because those yeah. are so packed with talent. And then, you know, on the defensive side, you know, there's some questions. So, yeah, it is a, it's a unique year, and I think that Ryan Day led the team so well to get to this point, especially with those creative plays. That's something that Gary Combs talked about again. It's like right out of the gate – you could see what he was doing at practice and building these very unique plays and he'll surprise you. I mean, we saw some surprise plays against Clemson and, you know, earlier at the big 10 championship using tight ends and, and changing schemes. Like it, it's something that he'll pull out of his back pocket. And I definitely expect that against Alabama. So, you know, I was even wondering when they were waiting to run Trey Sermon in the big 10 championship, I was almost wondering, is he saving some of these mm. secret weapons he has so he could use them in the playoff because teams wouldn't have been prepared for it they had limited games so I, I feel like we're gonna see a lot of surprises from him and it'll be it'll be very cool to watch I think Trey Sermon is gonna be the x factor like I think the way how how he has performed the last couple weeks over 500 yards rushing combined it's very emblematic of what Ezekiel Elliott did in 2014 where he just like you know had you know just really ascended and had that rapid increase in terms of performance and spotlight and I just think it was so amazing in the media availability with Trey Sermon is that this is someone that people didn't really expect him to be like this good and and I think Ryan Day talked about how Trey was just so you know he he came to work every day and, and there was a moment in practice where he just said like I'm, I'm just gonna work harder I'm gonna get better and he didn't complain to coach Day he didn't complain to the coaches and and then he turns on the switch and He's becoming a real, you know, X factor and challenge for that Alabama defense. So I just think it's great to see it, and I'm sure you know Trey quite well. That 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 I think it's just one of those really feel good stories as well. In addition to someone that's a great athlete. Well, the bummer about this year is that I've never met Trey Sermon. I've talked to him virtually, but I haven't been able to to meet with him in person. And and usually I get all those one on one conversations with the guys on camera you know in an interview setting so i haven't been able to meet trey because he came in after the pandemic hit and all these restrictions were in place 
and Ohio State is a bubble. I mean, yeah. family members can't get into the facility. I mean, it is very, very, very restricted. And so, you know, unfortunately, I get to talk to him on Skype, but, uh, you know, it's it's been a unique year. And, you know, Trey is someone that Coach Tony Alford recruited heading into college, and then he played against him. And so I did a story on this earlier, and I, I reposted it, but when they came into the program, they picked up right where they left off. You know, there was no love loss. You know, there was a lot of mutual respect. When you lose a recruit, it is a big blow. And and so to see them get to come together, especially when uh, Justin Fields and Trey Sermon train together going back to their high school days because they're both from Georgia. And so when Master T went down with the Achilles injury and Trey came into the running back room, he, he was – still go, getting past his own injury from the previous season. And so they they kind of worked together, and it really helped them. I mean, the way Master T came back was, you know, mm -hmm. so fast and impressive. It was, it was hard to see him go back out. But to see them to challenge against each other, and they talked a lot, both of them, about the running back room, about how it's an added element, and it really helps push them. You know, having that competition is, is something that pushes all the guys. And so I think when Trey came in, and Master T was the guy behind J.K. Dobbins, and then he gets hurt but he's getting the looks. And so that probably motivated him. And, and, you know, he said that it was exciting to to get that shot in and he really lit it up and breaking school records, you know, when your first year here, it's, it's really impressive. And I know the team is ecstatic for him and, you know, Zeke reached out and, and seeing him break Eddie George's record. It's, it's been phenomenal. I mean, I think he is the X factor as well. And he's, he's the meme master now. Trey Sermon, oh my gosh. <laughs> how 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 viral did that meme go in uh, Ohio State? Oh my gosh, we asked him about that earlier this week. I know you're on the call, but he just laughed right away. He probably didn't expect it to blow up like that, but when you look at the way that Coach Davo Sweeney had put them 11th ranked, and then you see that meme and all all the commentary beyond <laughs> it is just hysterical. You know, he's a funny kid, so. It was really funny to see that meme, and I think it's going to live on. I said it's the best meme of 2021, and it came out the day, you know, the first day of the year. I think it's going to live on, you know, like the Michael Jordan crying one. Yep. There's, a, there, there's some other ones that have lived on for years, and I definitely think that Trey's up there now. Well, just think of that day, Stephanie. We had Nick Saban with, like, I can't hear anything, followed by the Trey Sermon. Oh, my gosh. Watching that interview, like, an, oh, my gosh. I felt so bad for her. I mean, he was like, I can't hear you. I can't, I can't hear you. Yeah, it was, uh, oh, yeah, man. classic Nick Saban. But uh, but it was uh, quite <laughs> uh, quite interesting that back-to-back. -back, and he, wait, you never know. We might have another uh, another meme born in uh, the national championship. But uh, yeah. yeah, you you mentioned Justin Fields. And, and I think, you know, obviously big, big, big presence for Ohio State coming, transferring from Georgia and, and for those of you who may have just seen Justin for the first time in that Sugar Bowl, what a performance. Truly, as Ryan Day said, one of the gutsiest performances that he's ever seen. But is there a story, Stephanie, from, from your experiences with Justin that that stand out just to, to show what type of person he is and what he brings to this team? You know, it's not an individual story, but I think it's just watching him come in and you know when he was at Georgia he was overlooked and I mean he knew he had it he knew he had the ability and he wasn't given that shot and so he comes to Ohio signs up here without ever being in the state before comes in and just has to command an offense and a new team and a new conference and so it's all new territory 
And so he comes in and he has, a, you know, Ryan Day, it was pretty clear to most of us that he had the job, but Ryan Day said, no, you got to earn it. You know, you can't just walk into Ohio State and become the quarterback. You, you have to earn that starting spot. And so he had that mentality is that like he knew his ability, but he, he wanted to prove it. He wanted to earn the respect. He, you know, he's not someone that will take shortcuts. He's, he's someone that's going to put in the work and he's got the God given ability, but man, does he optimize it with his work ethic and just, you know, evaluating him from this off season. And, you know, there, there's been, you know, words around the NFL about the Ohio state quarterbacks. It's like the curse to be drafted high and all that. Justin Fields could be far from that rumor. I mean, he was buckled down in his room, didn't do anything but focus on football he drilled into that playbook and something that I found so prominent in him is that he wanted to know the why behind Mm -hmm. the playbook you know he would sit in with position coach and and sit with Ryan Day and try to really dissect this playbook read defenses better and he just went into so much depth with it and the dedication he puts in you know he went vegan and that wasn't necessarily about football but everyone wanted to talk about it but you know that's something that the guys would joke with him but He's such a great teammate and leader and what he did with the petition and really started a movement and, and brought people, even from Michigan, the rival, they were all chiming in to help this season happen. So I think that anything he does with this team, he really makes an impact. I and mean, I think he's going to be great in the NFL. He's someone you definitely want to play for. So I think that just his, you know, his work ethic, he lets his actions speak for themselves. And so I don't think he's someone that is going to, you know, go out and he's not someone that, shoves in his face how talented he is you know he, he's someone that just puts in the work and lets you let you see it i mean it, it's obvious it's right there and so i think he's a humble guy he's he's very mature for his age and i noticed that right out of the gate and just going through the pandemic it's been you know shining so bright so i think that he's he's just such a great leader and a hard worker and you know i think i think he's earned everything he's gotten no for sure and and you know, look no further than when you think of last year in the semifinal. He throws that interception in, in the Fiesta Bowl. Then all year, it's you see that scoreboard in the Ohio State workout facility, and, and he's you know working out, and you can just see that 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 scoreboard that score etched into his mind. I want to get back there and have that second chance opportunity, and he did it in the best way possible, right? Six touchdowns. When you think of the the injury to the ribs coming back in, like I just can't. It's going to go down as truly one of the best Ohio State performances in the history of the program. Oh, yeah. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in Columbus. He he has to be the best quarterback that has been in my life. Mm-hmm. And covering him is, you know, such a privilege. And Cardell, who won as a third-string quarterback and played against Alabama, he spoke on that. And when he when Justin Fields went down, he goes, I expect you to get up. You mm-hmm. know? You know, that was what quarterbacks who, who played at this level and for the team, that's what he said. He said, you know, you just get up. That's what you do as a quarterback. But I think, you know, Justin Fields, usually when he goes down with the knee injury last year in particular, he knows how much the Ohio State fan base will freak out when he gets injured and goes down, that he just jumps right back up. I mean, it'll be a hard hit, and he won't give you a second on the ground to worry. And so when I saw that in the Sugar Bowl and – he was down a while. I'm like, I know this is bad. I mean, that he does not stay down unless it's bad. So I thought he might not be able to make it through the game. And so the way he he went in and he said, you know, he, he got a couple shots and he, he felt better. But it was never a question whether or not he was going to play. You know, it, not, he, now I have a story where I, I found it um, something prominent. And this is Ryan Day's story is that, you know, he asked him and Ryan Day's reaction to him 
was this pure amazement. Like mm-hmm. he just he laughed like right after the worm. He said, "Okay, you know, what did you think when when uh, Justin Fields went down and you talked to him at halftime?" His immediate reaction was to laugh. Like he finds it humorous how amazing this kid is. And you know, Ryan Day's a quarterbacks guy. Yep. He's seen phenomenal talent. And this guy, Justin Fields, is still impressing him day by day. And so when he went down, he said, you know, you know, he, he, I got a couple shots and, you know, I'm good to go. Like he just, he found it funny how impressively tough he is. And so that resonated with his teammates as well. And you know that motivated the offensive line. You know, that's our guy. You got to protect him. So, again, just going back to just leading with what he does and his actions. And I think it's just really resonating with the rest of the team. So Monday's the national championship. In your role covering the team, what's your day going to look like from you know pregame all the way till till the end? I'm sure it's like for any young broadcast reporter, like these are the days that, that, that you get up in the morning for covering a national championship. Yeah, so usually, you know, my game routine, we usually have the noon game with, with mm-hmm. Fox. It's usually a big noon kickoff. So the night game is a little bit different. I, I usually am, you know, preparing. I'll try to get, like, a workout in the morning. And mm-hmm. and so game day, I'll I'll wake up really early and, and start going over some notes. And I'll talk with other media members and, and get an idea with, you know, for, a pre- for my pregame show, I'll usually just break down, okay, uh, this is what I'll look for on the sideline. A lot of the times I would look for alumni who are talented so I could, you know, talk to them on the sideline and, and get some live interviews with them. Won't have that opportunity. So so it's going to be a lot of observations. And, you know, you can't just go in and, and sit and listen to what what's going on in, uh, you know, warm-ups and things like that because you're so restricted distance-wise. And so that's going to be a challenge, and that's something I noticed at the championship game uh, earlier this season. So – Right, right now it's you know we're 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 gonna go through it as much as we can, make the observations we can. The unique thing is that status report coming out. That's something we'll definitely dive into and who's gonna be playing or not because of the coronavirus <laughs> rumors going around Ohio State. But we do know that hey, they ha- they got enough guys to play. Uh, Hassel Garrett spoke earlier and he said as long as me and Jonathan Cooper can play, we're good. So <laughs> the defensive line was the concern that most people had, but. That's something I'm definitely going to keep eyes on and, you know, who's out, who's in there, especially with guys who had to miss the Sugar Bowl due to the pandemic testing and, and things like that. And Master Teague's status, you know, how is he looking? Is, is he going to be able to get in? So, you know, little things like that I usually look out for. And then there's storylines. And, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk with family members and, you know, this is a special uh, day for them. So I like to get some insight for them and, and things I've been working on in the mix and, and seeing if it's going to be relevant to put into the pregame show once you're there and you make those observations. Yeah, and like I think two things stand out from that is well, number one, setting the scene. I think it's even more, it's always important, but I especially think this year just given how unprecedented this national championship game is, not as many fans in the stands, I think trying to set this potentially historical game up is very important but also just the preparation and, and, and I think for any young broadcaster or journalist that's covering a team it doesn't matter if it's game one of the season or the national championship game prep is so important to be able to do your job well and, and, and I think again you know it, it doesn't really matter the stakes of the game obviously for this championship game it's really high but that preparation will allow you to succeed in being able to cover this team the best possible way. Yeah, preparation is key. And 
you know, a question I get asked a lot is, do you ever get nervous to go on TV? And it's like, hmm. honestly, if you prepare and you know your stuff, I know this team, you know, inside and out, just how much I've put into researching, writing, preparing, and and studying. So, uh, you know, once you're in it for a full season, you, you pretty much feel comfortable with the information you've gathered and, and researched. So I, I would definitely say preparation is always key for any time. You know, if you're going to go on and, and cover the national championship, you want to get your facts straight, you know? So it's something that you, you just, you know, it's just part of the job. You just always have to prepare and research and I can never prepare enough. You know, there's, there's always something else out there. There's someone, always someone else you can, you know, reach out to and, and get some thoughts on. So there's, there's just always enough time to, to go and, and look for more, you know? So I think that the preparation is key always, always. Last question for you, Stephanie. And, and of course, when you look at your journey as a broadcaster, you, you've been to various different stops, Chicago, Dallas Mavericks affiliate team, the Texas Legends now here at Ohio State. How have those previous experiences shaped you as a journalist and prepared you for this moment in covering such a big spectacle that is the national championship game? Well, my broadcasting journey was different. You know, I didn't know I wanted to do this until probably my junior year of college. And I was already, you know, wrapping up two degrees at that hmm. point. And I had an internship with a radio station nearby in Cincinnati. And, you know, they would pull me on the radio. I was, I was doing marketing and promotions for them. And they would pull me in and they would call me like intern facey. I would freestyle rap about, you know, anything going on sports. And, and so it was fun. They're like, you know what, you should, you should try this. And so when I was told that, hey, like, I think you got a shot at this, just go out and get some experience. I, I was told, okay, you don't need to worry about getting another degree because I was about to graduate. They said, go get real world experience. And so I grew up in Columbus. I had some friends that played at Ohio State. So I built a reel. And, you know, I just went out with my uncle who, who had worked in new, local news years ago. And we just went around it and made a reel. But when I got to Dell, the first job I ever had on camera was with a professional basketball team on a regional network. And, you know, Dallas is within the top five in the U.S. So, you know, I the first time I went on camera, I was broadcasting to, you know, at least three to five million people. So, you know, I, I've been a performer my whole life, and so I didn't get nervous, but it came down to preparation. And, you know, my role with the, uh, the Mavericks and the Legends or affiliate team it started out as a digital role. And once the season came, they just saw the work ethic I put in, and then they gave me my shot. And so when you put in the, the work and, and you get the shot, the opportunity to, to grow in that role, you want to make the most of it. So you, you prepare and you prepare, and it's always the work you put into it. So I think starting out, you know, at a, a, you know, a big spot on TV was kind of what pushed me through because I got a, a late start. I didn't start until after college. So that helped me just jump into the, okay, we're live in game covering, you know, broadcasting to millions of people. And then when I moved to Chicago, I, I backtracked and got more of the roots in and started producing, editing, writing, doing more of the, the back end work as well as anchoring and reporting. And then when I came back to Columbus, that's when I started working as Ohio State football. So it's come full circle, but diving right into it and, you know, knowing how much you work you put in for those opportunities helps you do well once you're once you're alive on there. But you know, it takes reps. I think with anything, it just takes getting as much experience as you can. So, yeah, I always tell young broadcasters asking for experiences, just ask. And 
especially with the pandemic, you can just go and record something, edit it yourself, write, you know, you can get all these reps yourself and, and getting out there and doing the work will, will get you there. Stephanie Odie is a sports reporter covering the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes are in the national championship game on Monday night against Alabama. Stephanie, thanks so much for joining me. Safe travels. All the best to you on Monday. And thanks so much for joining me on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Thanks for having me. It was great. I appreciate it.